Indeed, Lord, what a joy that we can sing these words. Jesus, I am resting, resting. In the joy of what thou art. We thank you because even before your table, as we partake of it, we can experience that rest in you because of your finished work. Oh Lord, we confess it's all your grace. It's all your mercy. We have no claim, no merit, but we cling to thee and thee alone. And now, Lord, as we have the privilege of reading together your word, and even meditating on it, we pray, would you lead us in this time? Would you lead us into more of what thou art? Lead us even to touch that rest in our spirits in Christ. So we entrust this time unto you. Use it, Lord, according to your goodwill. Accomplish what is in your own heart for this time, we pray. And we ask, Lord, that you would enable, enable speaking, translating, and hearing of your word alike by your Holy Spirit. We ask in your precious name. Amen. Amen. To turn to me to a couple of passages, we would like to start from the book of Hebrews. We want to read a few verses from chapter 3 and 4. As you remember, there is a, a, a theme that seems to dominate those two chapters. It's the matter of entering into the rest of God. And the history of Israel in the wilderness is recounted in those two chapters. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the author of the epistle draws some conclusions, some lessons for us about the principle of entering into his rest. So we would like to read a few verses, scattered verses, throughout these two chapters. Uh, let's start from chapter 3. In verse 11, and this, of course, is a quotation from Psalm 95, that on its turn, it's itself a meditation of what happened in the wilderness. And there is a sad conclusion of that meditation, which is stated in, in verse 11, chapter 3 of Hebrews, verse 11. The Lord declares, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And I just want to underline one, one thing here. 
Here the Lord equates the land of Canaan with my rest. It's a divine designation of what, of what the land of Canaan means. It is my rest, said the Lord. Uh, the last verse of that same chapter, verse 19, we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Now in chapter 4, therefore let us fear, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. And just the first phrase of, of the next verse, verse 3, For we who have believed enter that rest. And a little ahead in the same chapter, verse 12. So I just want to mention something preliminary as we before we read. If you notice in verse 2, we hear that we see that they had good news, they Israel had good news preached to them. What are the good news? It's not just that God is delivering you from Egypt, from slavery, which in itself it would be wonderful. But even more than that, the Lord is giving you a land that flows with milk and honey. Those are the good news preached to Israel. Now, the author of the epistle, by the Holy Spirit, he applies that to us who believe in the Lord Jesus. And says that indeed we had good we believers in the Lord Jesus, we had good news preached to us just as they Israel also had. But the words, in other words, the good news that they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Now, if you read carefully the chapter, which we cannot do today because of time, you notice that the, the chapter introduces, starting in verse 3, a parenthesis in the line of thought, in the line of argument that is being developed. 
So there is a wonderful scholar of the New Testament from the 19th century called known as Bishop Moore. And he's the one that in, in his in his has a very a brief meditation on the epistle of Hebrews, and he suggests that the Greek should be read with a parenthesis, starting in verse 3, running all the way to the end of verse 11. And you can resume the main line, line of thought in verse 12, which you're going to read now. So, for instance, just for you to keep track of it, in verse 2 we finish reading that the words, the good news that they have received, that the Lord is giving you Canaan, was, did not profit them because it was not united with faith. Now, when you come to verse 12, the opening sentence is, For the word of God is living and active. It's as if it's resuming. Right where it left it, at the, after the long parenthesis, he resumes the same line of thought. So please keep that in mind. And let's read verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You want to read two more verses from the New Testament. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Want to read the very well-known verses or words from the Lord Jesus at the end of the chapter. Verse 28. Through the end of the chapter. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And finally, we want to read what has been the theme verse for this season, John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. 
so as you know, the, the theme that we have is entitled, Christ our life. Which is an expression that you find in Colossians chapter 3. But the theme verse has been the one we just read. The astounding declaration of the Lord Jesus. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So on my part, in my last sharings, we tried to consider this matter of this declaration of the Lord, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, from a picture in the Old Testament. A picture, or if you will, a type, that allows us to understand how is this, how does that life abundant of the Lord Jesus looks like? Uh, uh, And of course, this brings your mind immediately, when you think in abundance, it brings your mind to the land of Canaan. That the Lord gave to the children of Israel. It not only has milk and honey, no, it flows. You see the abundance? It flows with milk and honey. Now, to understand the fuller picture, you need to consider three geographic areas that are kind of connected to have the big picture of what exactly is entailed in that abundant life. You have Egypt, you have the wilderness, and you have Canaan. And actually this morning, uh, a few brothers, a few sisters, I believe, they prayed in, in terms of, Lord, you have delivered us from Egypt. Because that's what Egypt represents in the type in the Old Testament. Israel in slavery. No, no life whatsoever. No hope. Whatsoever. They were dying like flies. Their whole life was making bricks for Pharaoh and dying after that. Not a lot of hope. And as are the prayers from some saints, even this morning, we understand that it represents our life before we met our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. We were in slavery in this world, slavery to Satan, slavery to sin. Without hope and without God in this world, as the Apostle Paul declares. But then comes the wonderful news that we just read about in Hebrews chapter 4. Because of the blood of the Lamb, there was a Passover, even in our lives. 
We deserve condemnation. That would be the righteous thing for God to do with any of us to condemn us because we are sinners and we fell short of the glory Oh, but someone took our condemnation and suffered that judgment fully on the cross. And you see, that's what happened back then in the Old Testament. The Lord said, I'm going to come down and judge Israel in that night, the night of the Passover. In, in every family, there will be a firstborn that is going to die. Oh, but if you put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of your homes, when I come down, I will pass over your home. And instead of judgment, there will be salvation. There will be spared. Uh, and that's the wonderful news that the children of Israel not just heard, but they experienced it in that night of Passover. And so with us, as we believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we believe that He died on the cross instead of me, instead of judgment, now we pass from death to life. But as you know that it, for Israel, that was just the beginning. The Lord intended them, their destination was to go into that land of abundance, Canaan. In that land, as we read in Hebrews, and that's what's really on my heart, they would experience rest. Well, think about it for a second. When they left Egypt, to a degree, they already started experiencing some rest. They were no longer under the slavery of Satan. Of Pharaoh, I'm sorry. 他们不再是在法老的奴隶跟奴隶之下。And so with us, as soon as we believe in the Lord Jesus, we are no longer under the slavery of sin. 所以我们也是一样,我们每当信靠耶稣的时候,我们不再是在一个罪恶的笼罩底下。And right away we can say, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Isn't that what we sing often? 所以那个时候我们就能够唱, well, but now think in Israel. After they crossed the Red Sea, they didn't find themselves immediately in Canaan, as we already considered, but they, for 40 years they were in the wilderness. There was a reason for that. We are not going to go into it again. But think on the wilderness for a second. 
they already had rest from the slavery in Egypt. It's very true. But that rest was, in a way, was limited in those 40 years in the wilderness. As you know, a wilderness is a, is a place of dryness. Scarcity. Lack of everything. It's not a place that is conducive for life. So they are already the Lord's people, they are already redeemed, already under the blood of the Lamb, but they are not yet in the fullness that the Lord intended for them in King. In a way, they have rest from Egypt, but didn't enter into the full rest that is my rest as the Lord declares about the land of Canaan. And as we as you mentioned already, these three geographic regions. Egypt, Canaan, and the wilderness in between. They speak in the New Testament of three spiritual conditions. In Egypt is someone that we, are, we don't know the Lord. We are dead in our sins and trespasses. But once you go through the blood of the Lamb, you're no longer dead to the Lord. You receive a life. The life of Christ comes to dwell in you in that very same day. So what is the wilderness exactly? What does that represent? It's for believers that already went through the blood of the Lamb. No question about it. The wilderness represents those that have the life of Christ in them, but are still living by self-life. Now, do you see that there is a difference between those two things? When you believe in the Lord Jesus, by amazing grace, His very life comes to dwell in you. Thank the Lord. And that is, once it happens, it's once and for all. No one can... As the Lord says, those that come to me, no one will snatch them from my hand. Christ is in you since the day you believe in him. But now we have to learn a way more important lesson. It's not just Christ being in me, but learning to live by the life of Christ within me. So both the wilderness and Canaan in, in New Testament language represents something for believers, two different spiritual conditions for believers in the Lord Jesus. Uh, 两种, 
The wilderness, those that have the life of Christ, but are still living by self or by soul life. On the other hand, the land of Canaan speak of those that not only have the life of Christ in them, but by the by the, the Lord's grace, learn how to live by it. What's the description of the Holy Spirit about not only having His life, but also living by the life of Christ? This is the description, two words. My, and that's the Lord, my rest. Brothers and sisters, this is God's wondrous calling for every one of His children, His child. To enter into His rest. To enter into a land of abundance. Even to possess that unsearchable riches of our Lord Jesus. But conversely, if if the land of Canaan represents rest, we can say that living by our self-life represents restlessness. And for, well, the picture before us is a wonderful picture. It helps us to understand the spiritual principles that make the difference between entering the rest, that is what the Lord intends, or living in restlessness. Now, as we mentioned briefly, Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, they, it describes, it explains what are the spiritual principles that allow us to enter into His rest. And when you read those two chapters carefully, you learn that there is one trouble, one thing that prevents us from entering His rest. And that is our soul life. Now, I want to make a very brief parenthesis. Because I'm going to be using that term soul life quite often. Now listen, when the Lord made us, if you just read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, it's very clear, the Lord made us with three parts, a, a spirit, a soul, and a body. That is man's constitution in the divine mind, in his creation. And later the Apostle Paul, 
in the New Testament by the Holy Spirit, he makes that so clear. That's First Thessalonians chapter 5. Do you remember what that verse says? 5 verse 23. May the God of peace sanctify you wholly. In other words, in your totality. What is that totality? Just read the rest of the verse. And may your spirit, soul, and body. That is the totality of a human being in the in God's mind. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, very briefly, and probably you know this, for in this for the sake of new believers. We have to repeat this because this is foundational and extremely important for the rest of our Christian lives. What makes us unique in God's creation, even different from animals, is not that we have a, we are very smart, that we have wonderful emotions. That is your soul, right? That's not what makes you unique. Uh, the uniqueness of human beings is that God created us originally with a spirit that is accounted has a capacity for God. The spirit is that part. You remember the Lord Jesus saying, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him. In spirit and in truth. In other words, the only part that we have that truly corresponds to the Lord is something deep within, which the Bible calls your spirit. When you believe in the Lord Jesus, you are born again, right? But what exactly is being born? Oh, it's your spirit. Because you remember in the fall of man, what man died in that very day. The Lord said, if you eat this tree, the tree of knowledge of good or evil, you die. Obviously, his body didn't die immediately. His soul, meaning his intellect, his emotions, his, his will, it didn't die that day. But something died because the Lord said, the day you eat, you surely die. What died that day that man fell? His spirit. That which connected him to God died. And because of that, from that day on, every descendant of Adam is born in the same condition of fallen Adam, with a, with a body, with a soul, and with a dead spirit. And that's why when we believe in the Lord Jesus, the, the, what the, the way the Lord Jesus himself explaining, we are being born again. 
就是我们乃是重生了。We are being born of water and the Spirit. That's how the Lord puts it. 主耶稣是说我们重生是按着是从圣灵和水生的。But what is being born? 可是生的是什么呢? Your human spirit that was dead in sins and trespasses by amazing grace comes to life when you believe in the Lord Jesus. 乃是你的灵就是那个本来是死在过犯罪恶里头的。but now you have, you're born again, and you have a new spirit that is like a baby within you. <laughs> and there is nothing wrong with being a baby in the right time, right? And that spirit that is like a baby when you believe in the Lord is supposed to grow and grow and grow in Him. 哦，在你信主以后，啊，你里面那个灵，那个像婴儿一样，应该是慢慢的成长的。Now, that's just the beginning of our journey, spiritually speaking.哦，这乃是哦，在就是属灵上头我们的这个旅程的。But if you go back to Hebrews chapter three and four, there is an amazing statement in in the verse that we read, verse twelve of chapter four.你如果回到希伯来书第三章第四章。我们在十二节里头看到一个很奇妙的话 At face value it seems like out of place What is this? How is this related? He's talking about the people of Israel They were not able to enter into God's rest right? And all of a sudden he says Because the word of God is living and active And sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword And divides soul and spirit 这好像很稀奇他本来在说那些 以色列人因为不信，他们不能够进入迦南地。可是忽然在十二节，他提到神的道是活泼的，有功效的，呃，甚至魂与灵、骨节、骨髓都能刺入剖开。Brothers and sisters, there is there is a most important key to spiritual life in that very simple sentence: the word of God divides soul and spirit. 哦，在这里有一个属灵的呃功课，就是在神的话。because here is here is the idea. When you believe in the Lord, your spirit comes alive. But it's still a baby. How about your soul? is big. It's is a tyrant. Is your will strong? Your mind, the, the mentality is still unrenewed. You have a life of Christ in you, but your mind is still, you know, you, your values are according to the values of the world and all that. So if we are going to enter into that abundant life of Christ, into his rest, what is necessary? Soul and spirit, let me put it this way. Because your soul is still so big and the spirit is still so small, it's as if they are clumped together into a single big lump. And guess what happens? Oftentimes, it's the soul that overpowers your baby spirit. Do you see that the whole story in the wilderness is just episode, you know, story after story is an example of that, of exactly that. 
the soul of the children of Israel going out of control and overpowering the spirit. So for instance, you know the whole thing. One day they don't have they don't have food. Now remember, the Lord already had delivered them from Egypt with all the sight, all the display of his power. But one day they don't have food. And what is their reaction? Well, they panic, they murmur, they complain. Oh, this is terrible. The Lord brought us here to die. Why is why is it why it happens that way? That's just an illustration of what it means, the soul overpowering the spirit. Instead of reacting by that new life within that remembers, wait a second, the Lord has saved me. The Lord died on the cross for me, right? I'm going through a rough patch now, but He's still in charge and control. That is your spirit. But if your soul overpowers everything, you forget everything and you just see the problem in front of you. And it's story after story in the wilderness, you see exactly that principle. So life, very big. And because of that, there is all the fear and all the complaint. You see, it's, you're not happy with the circumstances, so your soul has to complain. To put it shortly, what we see in the wilderness is the people of God, believers that went under the blood, but they are still under the tyranny of soul life. And it's no surprise, through all the 40 years, they are restless. They are, uh, there is no quietness. There is that struggle all the time, the, no rest. Now, what is the cure from that spiritual condition? What is the secret for deliverance from that situation? I want to underline that little phrase in, in Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God divides soul and spirit. Brothers and sisters, until we experience what it means our soul being divided from our spirit, we are under the tyranny of soul life. And that explains why so often we face some trials, some difficulties, and instead of reacting by that glorious life of Christ, 
we react more like the children of Israel. You know, we are, here we are complaining, here we are murmuring, here we are giving ourselves to fear. Uh, so I can give you a very simple example. One day you wake up and you feel really, you look out the window and it's, everything is cloudy, everything is gloomy, a rainy day. And some of us that may be a little more melancholic, we say, oh man, yeah, it's one of those days. And somehow we are literally under a cloud, right? <laughs> but you see, that is simply, it's just your emotion, and that's normal. It's part of, remember, you were made with a soul. God made you with a soul that has, you know, emotions that uh, one day you feel more kind of sunny. Uh, some days you feel a little more cloudy or, or you know, a little sadder. <laughs> So the real problem is not that it's cloudy outside. The real problem is not even that you wake up one morning and say, oh, you know what, I'm a little depressed today. The real problem is that that soul life within you becomes like a tyrant and say, okay, yes, it's true, you're depressed and that's it. You cannot read your Bible, you cannot pray, you cannot rejoice in the Lord. Now, let me give you an example from Scripture of the opposite, of someone where the soul and spirit are, are divided. How, what is the reaction? Let me read this verse from Psalm 42. It's a wonderful verse and well known. But listen, you, you detect that there is two different things going on here. Psalm 42, verse 5. You remember, probably David wrote this, this song. Yeah, it's for the sons of Korah, right? But probably he, he wrote it for them to sing it. But we are not going to go into that. But listen to what David says in verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. Wait a second, this is David making it, he's, he's talking, but who is talking? Is it, everything here is David, right? But it's as if you have two different people here, right? He says, why are you in despair, O my soul? <laughs> It's something outside of David talking to his spirit you have forgotten what really, really matters. Hoping God. Oh, 
Brothers and sisters, this is an illustration of the division of soul and spirit. If soul and spirit are finally divided, we don't need to live under the tyranny of soul lives. We don't need to live under uh, at the mercy of our emotions that they vary so much. One day is sunny, you're happy. Another day is cloudy, you're depressed. Really? Really? When by God's grace finally there is a division between soul and spirit, your spirit, even if you're depressed, even if you feel down, your spirit can rise up and say, Wait a second, oh my soul, hope in God. Your spirit can command your soul and not the other way around. See, it's not that the soul is wrong in itself. That's not really the problem. The real question is this. Who is in control in our lives? It is our soul life with, which, with all the emotions that are up and down, up and up, or is that new life of Christ dwelling within your spirit? So in this verse in Psalm 42, it's almost you get the impression that it's almost as if the soul of David became so agitated to a point that his spirit has to rise up and say, Oh my soul, what is happening? Why are you in despair? But thank God, this is an illustration of soul and spirit divided. The spirit can rise up and command the soul, hoping God, but I still will praise him. Now, incidentally, you notice that when our souls become agitated and start kind of bossing around our spirits, let's put it that way, you see what he says? Uh, he immediately feels he's disturbed, no rest. We learn a, a very important principle from this. It's not that your soul life, it's not there is anything wrong with it, no. What is wrong is for soul life in any of us to be in control. What is wrong is for soul life to be the one giving the shot, say, okay, today is cloudy, okay, no reading my Bible, I'm depressed, that's it. And the consequence, of course, is that you find yourself disturbed. That's the word David used. No rest. 
In short, the soul is a wonderful servant. That's the Lord's order, right? The spirit should be in control, and then the soul should be obeying the dictates of the life of Christ that dwells in your spirit. But the soul is a terrible master. Brothers and sisters, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, what is the key there for entering into His rest? Or to phrase it according to our theme, what is the key of entering into His abundant well, the chapter states that key, both in negative terms and positive terms. The same principle, but just stated on, on the negative and on the positive, because we really need to hear it two or three or, or ten times. Why they couldn't enter the rest? Here it is. So we see 319. We see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Or if you want that in the positive sentence, that's they couldn't enter because of unbelief. Here's the positive one. 4.3. For we who believed enter that rest. Faith, the key. You see, this matter of rest, if you come to think about it, what is rest? I'll give you a quotation very freely from Brothers Austin Sparks. He says that rest is nothing but the outworking of faith in the sovereignty. Of Christ. Uh, Did you catch that? Let me repeat it. Faith, rest, sorry, rest is the outworking of faith in the sovereignty of Christ. See, think on the Israelites in the wilderness. Why they are so restless? If, the, if they really can see and believe the Lord is in charge, yes, we don't have water today. Oh, but He still loves us. That's it. You rest in the Lord. But you see, unbelief, in a very subtle way, is not trusting that the Lord is really in charge. If He is in charge, why should I complain? If He is still the one that died for you and rose again for you, if He is on the throne, and that's a rhetorical way, He is. Why should we be restless? Why should we be fearful? 
Rest is simply that faith at work, trusting that the Lord is still sovereign, despite what's going on behind around me. 哦，这个安息啊，就是你的信心啊，在这个神的同管的底下能够发出来。If we see He is in charge, He allowed it. You know, we are going to say like the hymn.我们就如同那个诗歌说的，It is well with my soul.哦，我的心可以安息。And you remember how it begins: When peace like a river attendeth my way.哦。or when, sorrow, you know, or when sorrow like billows roll, it doesn't matter what are the circumstances, happy or, or rough circumstances. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That is the outworking of faith in the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus. And you rest in Him. Well, there is another aspect of rest. You know, rest and peace, you notice that they are two words that go kind of together. When you're in rest, of course, you experience the peace of the Lord. But brothers and sisters, we have to remember this. This is not only peace between me and the Lord and that's it. I'm in peace with the Lord and, you know, that's, that's all, I, all, all, all I care for. 可是弟兄姐妹, there is also a horizontal aspect of this peace and rest in the house of the Lord. If we are in rest with the Lord, we are going to be, by His grace, in rest and peace with one another. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we may think that we are really in peace with the Lord and that I'm fine. But the test of that, are we really experiencing that abundant life of Christ? Are we really in entering into His rest? If we are, it's not just in your heart, but it's also something that you experience in your relationship with your brothers and sisters. Do you think that we can be in the rest of the Lord and really be at war with one another all the time? Oh, brothers and sisters, it's a whole package. It's not that there is my relationship with the Lord and my relationship with us is a different story. No, no, no. 弟兄姐妹,这是一全套的,就是不是单好像我跟神的关系,还有我跟弟兄姐妹的关系可以分开的。To put it bluntly, you remember what the, the Apostle John says in his epistle, If I say I love the Lord, but I hate my brother, I lie. 就好像使徒约翰在他的书信里头有说,如果我说我爱主,可是我却恨我的弟兄的话。Brothers and sisters, may the Lord open our eyes in this matter. Because entering in His rest 
means that I'm going to be in rest with my brothers and sisters as well. 乃是进入神的安息，就表示我跟弟兄姐妹也有一个安息。It's impossible for you to be in that rest and be at the same time at war with everybody around you。哦，你如果跟神中间有那样子的安息，你不可能跟你旁边的弟兄姐妹好像在一个征战的状况。May the Lord help us in this matter。我们真是求主让我们认识这个。I just want to briefly mention from Hebrews chapter three and four. If you were to ask. What is that key for soul and spirit to be divided? For us to enter into the rest is faith. We who believe enter his rest. Whatever my lot you have taught me to say it is well. That is faith. 哦，不论我的遭遇，你已经教导我，我能够内心可以平安安息，就是信心。I just want to briefly mention the words in in that we read this morning of our Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter eleven.呃，我希望可以提醒一下我们我们在马太福音所读的章节。Did you notice how the words of the Lord are kind of related with Hebrews chapter three and four? 你有没有注意到主的话好像跟希伯来书三章四章有关呢？Because in Hebrews three and four you see that entering His rest has something to do with our soul being divided for this from the spirit。哦，好像因为你看希伯来书第四章，他说我们要进入那个安息，跟这个魂与灵可以分开有关。And it's the word of God when it's responded to by faith. It's not just the word of God by itself that is going to divide. It's the word of God responded. Taken by faith, it divides your soul and spirit. So you have entering the rest related with soul life being not the master, but being the servant, being divided and being put in its place. So you have entering the rest related now, did you notice that Matthew 11, that those verses that we know so well, did you notice that the Lord puts those two thoughts together, rest and soul life? We know so well these verses, and, and I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, familiarity sometimes causes us to be, to, uh, be a little blind to the force of what the Lord is saying. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now listen to the key of rest as in the words of Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls. The picture here is very clear, right? It's like our Lord is like an ox that was tamed. Someone that knows how to submit to the Father and He's always in rest. Uh, 
And by amazing grace, he invites us, us. We are nothing but that. We are the opposite. We are like wild. We want to go our way. We don't want to submit to God. And yet he says, come, take my yoke upon you. I want to be yoked with you. I'll be on one side of the yoke. You'll be on the other. When we take the yoke of Christ, when we are paired with Him under His yoke, we learn of Him. That's why he says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Do I need to tell you that we are nothing like that? I'm not gentle in myself. I'm not humble in heart. In ourselves, we don't know rest. Just look at the garden. Look what happens the day that even Adam and Eve, they sin. They're hiding from the Lord. You know, that's what we are in ourselves. 真是没有那个柔和，我们真是没有那个谦卑。我们只需要看到亚当夏娃他们犯罪的时候，那个时候他们的光景是如何没有柔和谦卑。And the more we insist and keep going, and this is this is for believers, right? This this verse, 20, we use verse 28 quite often to preach the gospel. And there is nothing wrong in that, okay?呃，这这个其实是为信徒说的。可是我们也用这个是二十八节来传福音的时候可以用。but if you read carefully verse 29, you see that this is an invitation for believers. Very quick after we believe in the Lord, we learn the lesson of the wilderness. That, oh man, uh, you know, there is, there is something wrong in me. I don't react the way I should. There is something in me that cannot quite submit to the Lord. Uh, oh, listen to the Lord, the, the words of your Lord. Come, take upon you my yoke. Uh, when we accept that invitation to be under the same yoke, so here's, here's Christ on one side, we are on the other, we immediately start learning from Him. Uh, Yes, it's true. My soul life in itself is out of control. Wants to go its own way. Wants to boss around the spirit. But when we are yoked with Christ, we just look at him and we start submitting. And and the same spirit of Christ starts conforming us to his image. I just want to leave three thoughts with you about this very verse, very briefly. Rest is the Lord's prerogative. It's my rest. Remember, it's never that He gives you something that is called rest and say, okay, I got it. No, no, no. It's His prerogative. He is the one at rest. You simply share of his rest. The more you behold your Lord, 
day after day, the more you realize I'm completely different from him. 哦，当你注意主的时候，你会发觉你跟他非常不一样。He has the rest, I do not. 哦，他有那个安息，我没有。He is gentle on him, I am not. 他柔和谦卑，我不是。He knows how to love the ones around him, I do not know how to love them. I am kind of strict, full of self-righteousness. Oh, brothers and sisters, have our eyes been opened to see how other he is from us? 哦，他是知道如何爱他四周的的人。可是我们确实蛮有自我,骄傲,我们如何应该向他学习。But listen, because you're different from him, because we are all, we all are, that's not the real problem. Because the Lord, knowing exactly who you and I are, he says, come to me, take the joke. That's the wonderful invitation. And that's the number two, it's grace. 所以主耶稣他知道我们的光景,所以他就要我们到他那里去。why, why would the Lord ever invite people as us to be paired with Him? He's totally different. He's holy. We are not. Why would He? His grace, His love, completely undeserved, completely unmerited. And that's the principle, even when you think in the shadow, even when you think in Israel, why would the Lord give Canaan to Israel? It's because they deserve it? There are those verses in Deuteronomy that really should open our eyes. You read it at home in Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord is talking, you're going to enter the land now. He wrote that right before they entered. And he, here is the explanation of why they are entering the, the land. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than other peoples. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you. Oh, sorry, 7, verse 7 of me. Deuteronomy 7. Uh, uh, Brothers and sisters, entering into his rest, entering into that abundant life is all the grace of the Lord. We have no merit in it. And yet, as undeserving as we are, and we are, he yet invites, come, take my yoke upon you. But finally, grace has to be responded to, right? He invites, but it's up to us to accept or not the invitation of be yoked with him. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you this. There is nothing more exhausting than our, our own self-life, that us being in control and trying to lead our lives by ourselves is exhausting. Take upon you, take my yoke upon you. 
It's a matter of submitting to Him. And when you find yourself paired with the Lord, He's one ox, you're the other one, but guess who is taking the lead in that pairing? It's Him. And that's the paradox of my rest, of entering his rest. We think that rest is doing nothing, right? Having a vacation, I'm doing absolutely nothing and going my own way. That is rest. No, that's wrong. That's not rest. The paradox of rest is that you only rest when you're yoked with the Lord and you let go your will. You let go your soul life and He leads. Oh, then you find peace that surpasses understanding. Remember that peace, his peace, his rest, this is not yours, is your portion because he said, My peace I leave to you. The question now is, are we going to accept that wondrous is again an invitation for believers? Not for unbelievers to come. No, I trust that everyone here already accepted that first invitation to come to Him. But the invitation for you, a believer, is a second invitation, you see, is take my yoke upon you. May the Lord help us. Uh, let, let's have just a simple word of prayer. Lord, we are amazed by such grace. Lord, how you that are the only one that really knows what is rest, Lord. And we, we are in completely different boat in this matter. And yet you invite us, take my yoke upon you. Help us, Lord, to accept that invitation. To come to you. Let go of our independent self-life. Help us to respond to your word by faith. So that the living and active word of God may Work even the division of soul and spirit. We thank you, gracious, wonderful Lord. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. Where does this?